And I'd like to welcome you to Getting the Goods, a weekly connection point where we get to hear a few brave teachers share stories and strategies of life as they know it. Now, while I might be the person on this side of the camera, it takes a team to get this to you, as I'm sure you know. So a colossal shout out goes to Sherry Van Hestren, Shauna Tilbury, and Scott St. Pierre. They're the ones doing the hard work. In the days before Canada, the Cree, Dene, Dakota, Lakota, Nakaway, and Nakota people of this land would acknowledge each territory they entered and ask permission for safe passage. In that same spirit, on a weekly basis, we express our gratitude to our First Peoples of Treaty 6 territory for the hard work and sacrifices which have allowed us all to be here working together. And we request safe passage for the next 30 minutes. Sit back, relax, and let's connect. Giving up the goods today are Mark Wilderman, an English teacher at Walter Murray, and for former head of collegiate school, <laughs> along with Kathy Johnson, um, teacher from Mount Royal, science and math teacher from Mount Royal, and an artist in her own right. Both of these humans generally find themselves on the cutting edge of relationship and connection building with kids, which is why I'm so excited to get started with both of them. Kathy, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. So I'm Kathy Johnston. I've uh, been here at Saskatoon Public for quite a long time. And yeah, I'm currently at Mount Royal with a, a dual role. I'm teaching part-time uh, in a regular classroom. And then the other half, I'm our credit support teacher. So I'm helping our students to try to graduate on time, get everything that they need so they can um, get their walk across that Fantastic. Um, Mark, how about you? How would you introduce yourself? I'm actually from, from Saskatchewan, so, uh, but I have sort of left occasionally, uh, done some teaching overseas and uh, New Zealand, Australia, and the United States, um, and then came back here. And uh, as you know, I was involved in, with Collegiate Renewal when it first began. Uh, I met Walter Murray Collegiate, and uh, I sort of taught basically a lot of the grades and a lot of the different kinds of groups they, they do groupings there so yeah and they had enriched for a while on the regular program and then the modified but i've had the longest relationship with the uh, modified group um, and that's been really exciting you know as i considered the wealth of knowledge and experience in the space today I kept coming back to a quote I heard from Angie Karen, and I guess I can call it a quote. It was her, to her words. And she said, at one point, she realized she had to let go of the teacher she wanted to be and be the teacher that her students needed her to be. So, Mark, let's start with you. How are you being the teacher that your students need you to be? I think one of the things I heard a while ago, and, and I certainly now I'm using it probably more than I've ever used, which is that great schools are built not on great teacher performances, but great student performances. I'm one of those people who's really nothing more than um, a coach, a critical friend, um, a cheerleader, a whole bunch of other things. Um, when, when kids are directing their own learning and, and they're, they're winning, um, they're successes. Um, and they're feeling that school makes them smart rather than um, 
not not that. That's great. Kathy, do you want to jump in here? Um, yeah. Uh, sorry, my mind just went blank. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I was, I was thinking actually the other day, um, or just this morning, about uh, when I also taught in the advanced program and uh, being so nervous about what did I have to do to be in this program and really struggling with my teaching when I started there and then realizing, Kathy, you were part of this program because of the teacher you are. You don't have to be something different than that. And um, with relationship building, what I found uh, in some building, I was able to build relationship um, my curriculum content area. I was sort of, um, because I knew my stuff, I was sort of respected for that. Um, and you can build relationship through the work and the curriculum as well as through that personal connection. I think when you have, you have some teachers that are really good with that, just personal, I, you know, I care for you side of it. And then that, I really know what I'm doing. And if you can combine both, there's magic there. Um, connecting through both personal connection and also with your content area. So it's also about this is my expectations and, and helping kids they're a part of them, giving them some agency in that. It's amazing. Yesterday when we were chatting, you said you might be number 67. Yeah. Can you share the and how it relates to your work with kids? Yeah, um, that's one of my favorite little stories that I go back to all the time. Um, it's, I think as teachers, um, you know, we take things really personally and we want to be part of uh, helping someone, seeing that light bulb go on. Um, and sometimes we had to sit back and we have to realize we might be number 67. And what that means is that there might be um, a student who needs 75 times they have to be encouraged or hear what they need to hear or uh, be part of something. And maybe you're not number 75, so you don't get to see that final magic, but you were number 67. And without number 67, they can't get to number 75. So just kind of being able to give yourself you know, know that you're part of a journey, you're planting seeds along the way. As long as you are controlling what you can control, like in, in particularly where I am, there's a lot of factors that I have no, I can't do anything about. So the only thing that I can control is what happens in my classroom and what happens with my teaching. So I have to do the best job I do there and just know that if I've done my part, that I can, you know, sleep better at night, that I might not, I might not be the one who gets to be there at the end to see that magic, but I was a part of that and just realized that everybody has their own journey and you're, you know, you just do what you can along the way. And yeah. Mark, in our conversation yesterday, you said that this situation is the best thing that ever happened to collegiate renewal. And I, I just, I just want everyone else to hear you unpack that statement because it's amazing. 
Well, collegiate renewal was really an opportunity. And again, I, what I loved about collegiate renewal when it first started was that, that while I, I was one of the leaders in it, um, it actually was just given to us by a community, by a group of people, students, parents, uh, you know, various groups within our community. And they were asked the question, what do you want for your kids? And it wasn't higher reading scores. It wasn't higher math scores or, you know, better results on the PISA, whatever it was. It was that they wanted kids to engage deeply in the learning and to contribute to the community, nation and world. That was really what they wanted. And so it meant that we needed to do a rethink about what teaching and learning look like. Um, that motivation couldn't be through carrots and sticks. It couldn't be, if you don't do this, you won't graduate. It couldn't be, you know, if, if you do this, I'll give you two extra percent. It had, it had really to, to be about intrinsic motivation. What's here worth your, your time, your head and your heart? And so it was a really tough conversation 10 years ago. Um, because we get entrenched in terms of what teaching and learning look, should look like, because ultimately we were taught and we learned. And, uh, and many of the people who've gone through that system, they may have been successful in it. But, but the world was changing. And I think one of, the, one of the telltale signs is that when we said kids don't have to be here anymore with this uh, event, a lot of them chose not to be. And so the question is, how are we doing if most of our grade 12 students are saying, I'm done when I have a choice to, to quit versus, you know what, I'm so interested in learning, I want to continue. And so I think, again, this is our chance to think about what's, what's most important in our subject. Um, what does teaching and learning look like? How do I make them active and, and potent or strong in their own learning? That they're the drivers of the bus. So that's what collegiate renewal was, and, and I think this, this is an opportunity for us to do that. I think rather than bemoan the fact that we've, we didn't sign up for this, I think that we have all signed up for teaching. Um, and, you know, that's what it is. Anyway. And, sorry, I was also going to say, uh, I actually got kind of excited, <laughs> uh, one of maybe the few people who did, because, and I, I recorded a video for my students for that first, you know, when they logged in. And to say, we have an opportunity here. You have your mark. This is risk-free learning. Just think of, like, let's just enjoy it. Let's, like, we can just do this because we love to learn, because we want to find out new stuff. It's not because we kind of get that mark. You, you guys have the mark. You're good. You can bring it up. It's awesome. And I was thinking about um, what we as adults need to learn. Like, for those of us who, um, I think that you've, you know, been talking to, uh, I think we see ourselves as being very reflective, as being lifelong learners. And we don't do that by taking a test or sitting down and doing the compulsory assignments. We, we listen to podcasts. We participate in opportunities like this. We, um, we're reading articles. We're, you know, we're getting out and getting our hands dirty. We're risk taking. And those are the kinds of opportunities we should be giving our students too. It shouldn't be, well, how do I give them a test on Google Classroom? What about you know, how do we get them involved in the world around them? And, and we can learn a lot from our students too, because we might not, I think sometimes we think that they're not engaged or they're not learning because we, like you said, Mark, you have a certain expectation of what that should look like. And you don't really know it. It's like the duck in the water, right? What's happening underneath the water? 
And so kids, like they have so much around them in terms of technology and that type of thing. Like, I think they are learning all the time and we're sometimes not giving um, as much thought or credit to that outside learning and what our kids actually know. I know that you both are working with students that you didn't start with and have had to build relationships right from scratch on on this platform of, of social media or online learning. Can we talk a little bit about how you've managed to engage kids that you didn't really work with pre-quarantine? Mark? Sure. Um, so I had a, I have a group. Um, I had an intern for one class for the semester, and it was a grade nine group. Um, and I had no relationship with them. I mean, apart from being the person in the back of the room, uh, a, I, I don't know if they'd ever heard my voice. Um, and so immediately, of course, when, when school was dismissed, um, I was their teacher again, officially. And um, so I was really worried about that because I am a teacher who's always used my relationship with kids to leverage the learning. That is, you know, you're going to take a risk on it because you know that I'm, I'm with you. I, I support you. I'm your cheerleader. I'm, I'm your, you know, I'm there for you. And I'm never going to put you in a situation where, you know, you're going to be ashamed or embarrassed or, or not feel strong. Um, and so that, that whole thing scared the heck out of me because I didn't know if I could use technology to do that. So one of the things I did very quickly was uh, to create an assignment where they were doing a historical walking tour of the city of Saskatoon. So the reason we do that, of course, is the notion of place is they start thinking about where they're from. Um, and, and then they also start thinking about that I have a part in this larger tour. And so I'm important and I also have a community of other people. And so if I don't do what I need to do, then my team will, will, will not be strong. And so it was interesting that again, we created this, you know, there were, there were 15 in that group that stayed with us. And um, they created this really incredible tour um, that sort of talked about pre-contact, uh, you know, the arrival of John Lake and so on, and how, you know, things were. Um, they did land acknowledgements. They did a whole bunch of stuff. And they were really wonderful. They were had a real audience. The university, there's a number of professors that were there, uh, teachers. Um, and their parents, and, and they knew that that was ultimately the destination. So, you know, real audiences, authentic tasks, uh, learning about their place that they were taken for granted. And they came together as a community talking about their community. So it was really, it was a cool kind of activity. And I was very, very proud of them. And I got to know them deeply because it was both the large group, but also the small group. So I, I loved it. It was awesome. Kathy? Well, I have sort of that unique situation where as a, with the credit support role, uh, this is when we would normally be getting ready for graduation and making sure that kids have their credits. And so I have, there's been lots of students that I haven't worked with at all and I'm trying to get a hold of and that kind of thing. But uh, having lots of conversations with grandparents and parents and guardians and, and um, just seeing like they're, excited for their kids even though we're in this turmoil that uh, the idea of graduation wanting to have you know every person i've talked to wants the best for their kids and so uh, it's been great to reach out to some community members that i haven't had contact with before and just to hear things about their children that you know i haven't witnessed 
because I don't know them that well. And just to hear the pride in their voice. And that's been great um, having those conversations with the parents and uh, making me realize that I really need to make more of those connections throughout the school year um, and how important that it is. I think at the high school level, we don't um, use our parents as much as we could. Mm. One of the things that came up yesterday was that you both have um, in your careers and most recently worked with students of all levels from Mark, you even mentioned it earlier, working from a modified to a sage level of student. And I think sometimes we think that the strategies that you use for these kids might be different. And Mark, can you can you speak to that a little? You know, it, it isn't that complicated in some ways because, again, the idea, you know, I mentioned this notion of creating a community or belonging. I mean, it, whether you're in SAGE and, and part of argu- arguably the reason they're in SAGE is because they have a community, a, a common learners or similar traits, qualities, whatever it may be. Um, the same with the mod, that, that they've very quickly, uh, they see themselves together as a collective. And so I think community is one of those really important pieces. Um, I think the idea of relevance, I think that, you know, wherever you're, or whatever level you are, they need to believe that this matters, um, but it's going to do something for them or for their community. Um, I think that's really important. Um, I think they need to feel strong in their learning. I think that that's an incredibly part, important part, too, that whose learning is this? You know, uh, when when there's a presentation, you know, I was a little bit nervous about that walking tour, for example, because I actually never controlled the ball. I, I actually, they, everyone arrived at the Zoom meeting and they led it from beginning to end. And I was just like a little bit nervous. But, but again, it, if, if it's truly about what I said in the beginning, that great schools are built on great student performances, not great teacher performances, that's the way it should look. Um, and, and then, of course, you know, the, the last one is around competencies. Kids need to, school for, for it to help them become smart. Not for them to say, you know, I'm not good at math or I'm not, go- I'm not a good writer or whatever it is. We shouldn't teach them that. And so competency and having real wins, not just sort of, you know, uh, low level kinds of challenges, because the kids know that, especially the weaker kids will know that. But those four aspects, whether you're in a SAGE program or whether you're in the modified program, you need them. Yeah. And I also have worked with modified, advanced, regular uh, EAL students all over and for me what I find exciting is I've never seen any of our um, different programs that we tried to be anything as more work they were all been essentially the same whether it was collegiate renewal whether it was the work before collegiate renewal came in with Ann Davies and uh, the work I'm doing now following their voices the strategies are all the same and you, you they are things that are never going to harm a student um, you see the biggest gains with your students who are perhaps the most vulnerable, but you still see gains in the students that we would normally not consider to be at risk. The students who basically succeed uh, despite us, not because of us, <laughs> you know? Um, so they're, they, they work for everyone. So why would you not? I, I see it. If we know strategies that work and we won't use them in our practice, to me, that's educational malpractice. 
There's a great phrase for you, educational malpractice. Uh, <laughs> T-shirts and bumper stickers. I love it. <laughs> Starting a whole new movement here. And I, I think, you know, I, I've been actually kind of surprised because uh, we, we really need to let go of expectations. Because um, I, like, there are students who I thought would opt, like, I, for whatever, I thought, oh, they'll opt out. And they, and no, like they, they wanted to be part of the learning. And I mean, I have a girl right now who's doing math with me. And so we've been zooming and we do a math lesson one-on-one and her computer died the other day. And, and also, you know, so I sent her a message on classroom and said, well, you know, I want to do this again tomorrow. She goes, well, no, I kind of really want to finish this right now. I'm like, okay, well, go get your charger. And she's like, like she wanted to be part of that learning and, um, Math is not her strong suit. It's not something that I thought she'd want to. I thought she'd take her 50 and go, but she's like, no, I want to learn this. I want to know this. So, and I, uh, for me, um, a lot of our students at Mount Royal, we've handed out several laptops and Chromebooks now trying to get hotspots technology into our students' hands. And I'm afraid we kind of lost some momentum because of that leg. But I mean, that's no one's fault. Like we didn't know that this was going to happen and we're doing the best that we can, but um, we're going to see more of our students now that they want to be connected. They want to be part of it and they just didn't necessarily have the means to do it in the same way. So I think I'm going to see, hopefully I think I'm going to be in a situation where I might actually see more students opting back in, whereas some people are seeing their numbers drop off. I was gifted an opportunity to chat with Daryl Eisenster this morning, and one of the things that came up in our conversation was the great opportunity that this presents for us moving forward. Um, Chris Scribe at Think Indigenous said, go home and blow up your systems. And I think... um, his words to God's ears, if I can say that out loud. It kind of seems like we're, we're in a place where our systems are almost unrecognizable. And if you could say, what is one thing that we need to either keep from this moment and carry forward or change going into our next moments, what would that one thing be? Um, I think what I've really recognized with the online learning is those traditional forms, you know, the give a test and see what happens. What's like, it's, it's kind of pointless if you've got, like it's really made me rethink where the, like you said, what's the important part? Where's the deep thinking? Where's the learning? Because these traditional pen and paper kind of tests, if you've got your cell phone and another monitor, or you can open the screen, you realize you start to go through like, gee, that, that test actually, it's not really testing anything that's, I don't want to say important, but really, like, if you get right down to it, like, we live in an, an area where we, we carry around $1,200 devices in our pocket. So why would we not be using that? We do that in our regular day. So getting beyond that, getting into the actual deeper, big picture, giving kids those more opportunities. Like I said, like, the way we learn as adults, that we, we never think about sitting down and doing some of the trivial things that we expect our kids to do. Yeah. Mark, what do you want to carry forward? Well, I think one of the things that um, I've sort of uh, maybe pushed a lot more with this this idea is that because we have flexible now timing and, and um, in some ways space, 
um, that we're no longer like at a brick and mortar kind of place that we can experiment with that. And so, you know, I was talking with a colleague this morning about a partnership with a small town Saskatchewan and, and a class here, because so often when we're doing conversations with, with kids here in the city, they have no idea what small town Saskatchewan is all about, that there's a, maybe a 16 year old boy with 10 guns. Um, and they, they just don't understand that. And so I think again, for us to think about community, for us to, when we hear voices, whether on social media, whatever it may be, that are different from our own, and we're surprised, we should have those conversations through this thing. The, this technology allows us to transcend a place um, and to actually go, visit other places. Um, I also have another group that um, our next, if we do this in the fall, I'm already planning for it, uh, is a, a group that was going to do a social justice unit with a high school in New Zealand. Um, because they're going to co-build it. So not just like we're doing it at the same time, we're doing it together. And so I think this technology is going to allow us to be global citizens. And I, and I find that exciting. I don't find, I, I know why it's, I know why it's scary. I don't get me wrong. I, I dealt with, uh, it, it's scary. The first, I want to mention this before I, before we leave here, but you know, the first couple of days, there's, I don't want to do a shout out to particular people, but there's about three of them. That honestly, I was feeling like I was a bad first year teacher when this all came. I didn't know what I was doing and I was terrified. Um, and then, you know, those, those colleagues, they said, we don't either. Or here's a couple of resources or we'll get through this together. Um, and I think in this whole thing, maybe it's also a reminder, if I'm, not, I'm taking forward another thing, is that we need each other. Absolutely, we do. Kathy, what's your last message? <sighs> um, just like Mark, I, you know, I'm coming near the end of my career. I'm 28 years into this um, job and I still love it. I've always said I would never stay in it if I didn't love it. Um, same thing. It, it, I, I said that to multiple people during this beginning. I was like, I feel like a first year teacher. Like I am getting so overwhelmed. And I, I feel like I'm actually pretty comfortable around technology. So I, I, I'm really feeling for people that I knew there's people that are struggling even more than I am. And, um, you know, we need to remember that progress, not perfection. That we're, we're all learning. And I'm like, Take that as a, like, that's exciting, actually. I, I've had the frustration moments where I've, I've done a, like, a video lesson, and I'm, like, all proud of myself, and then I go to play it back, and I didn't set the stuff up right, and I look like some weird old homeless woman shouting at her computer because <laughs> I get recorded me all the time and didn't actually do anything for my screen. Like, there's one time, and I actually messaged Tracy, I was like... I'm on my phone and I've tried this four times and I feel like I'm just a failure. She's like, walk away from the computer. <laughs> We're like, you know, I think the, the message is, you know, take this, like I said before, as an opportunity. Like I like get excited about the idea of like what we can do differently. And just, you know, we're all like I, I, the things that I've learned, the skills that I've just picked up just being at home um, and trying to learn this new world is great. It's another set of skills that I didn't have before. And I think it's an awesome opportunity. So to see the opportunities in what we have and from the blessings that we have, um, not just the, you know, I didn't sign up for this kind of thing. Well, 
Like that, that's every year of teaching, quite honestly. Every year of like, teaching, I didn't sign up for that. Yeah, well, actually, well, one of the blessings that I'm going to take forward is this conversation. Um, I know and love you both, and I've taken so many gifts and learnings from both of you. So I, I am ever so grateful that we were able to do this. This brings our, our conversation to a close for today. So for those of you listening, if you heard something that resonated with you, watch closely for the follow-up blog post. It will be out Wednesday. Um, and it'll be full of all the tips and tricks and quotes and, and references that we could dig through. You'll be able to view this video as soon as we hit close on YouTube. And thanks to the extraordinary talents of Scott St. Pierre, the audio will be released as a podcast. Um, and I'm an avid listener of the podcast. <laughs> My mom might be. I don't know. for that. Um, if you know Kathy or Mark, or if you want to know them now based on something you've heard, please reach out and give them a virtual high five. Um, we we are always happy to hear from our colleagues about something that resonated with them. If you have questions, comments, or feedback about getting the goods, please don't hesitate to contact Shauna, Sherry, Scott, or myself. On behalf of our team and our guests, I want to send virtual hugs and sort of a placeholder for the real hug I'm going to give you when I see you, each and every one of you. Um, and a huge kitschy mercy to everyone for connecting with us today and a huge kitschy mercy to Kathy and Mark for opening themselves up and being vulnerable um, on live YouTube. <laughs> So I just want to say thank you. Keep that smile on your face and, and keep those hearts open for not just the kids who need you, but your colleagues too. 